Genesis 43, and uh, let your heart kick in, kick in your Holy Spirit imagination. I want you to see it. I want you to hear it. I want you to feel it. Now, the famine was severe in the land. And it came about when they had finished eating the grain which they had bought from Egypt, that their father said to them, go back and buy us a little food. Judas spoke to him, however, saying, the man, and by the way, when you hear the phrase the man, he's talking about Joseph. The man sternly warned us, you shall not see my face until your brother's with you, till Benjamin's with you. If you send our brother with us, we'll go down and buy you food. But if you do not send him, we will not go down. For the man said to us, you will not see my face until your brother is with you. Then Israel, also known as Jacob, said, Why did you treat me so badly by telling the man whether you still had another brother? But they said, the man specifically asked us about a relative saying, is your father still alive? Have you another brother? So we answered his questions. Could we possibly know that he would say, bring your brother down? So Judah said to his father Israel, Send the boy with me and we will arise and go so that we may live and not die. We as well as you and our little ones. I myself will take responsibility for him. You may demand him back from me. If I do not bring him back to you and present him to you, then let me take the blame forever. It's interesting when a man would say that. Let me take the blame. For if we had not delayed, surely by now we could have returned twice. Then their father Israel said to them, If it must be so, then do this. Take some of the best products of the land in your bags and carry down to the man as a gift a little balsam, a little honey, labdanum, resin, myrrh, pistachio nuts, and almonds. And take double the money in your hand and taking back the, the money that was originally returned to you in the opening of your sacks. Perhaps it was a mistake. Take your brother also and arise and return to the man. And may God Almighty grant you compassion in the sight of the man. So that he will release you, your brother and Benjamin. And as for me. If I am bereaved of my sons, I am bereaved. So the men took this gift and they took double the money in their hand and Benjamin and they set out and went down to Egypt and stood before Joseph. They went south. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to his house steward, bring the men into the house and slaughter an animal and make preparations. For the men are to dine with me at noon. So the man did as Joseph said. And brought the men to Joseph's house. Now the men were afraid because they brought to Joseph's house. And they said, is it because of the money that was returned in our sacks the first time? That we are being brought in? So that he may attack us and overpower us. And take us as slaves with our donkeys. So they approached Joseph's house steward and spoke to him at the entrance of the house and said, Oh, my Lord, 
We indeed came down the first time to buy food, and it happened when we came to the campsite that we opened our sacks, and behold, each man's money was in the opening of our sack, our money in full. So we have brought it back in our hand. We have also brought down other money in our hand to buy food. We do not know who put our money in our sacks. But he said, peace be to you. Do not be afraid. Your God and the God of your father has given you treasure in your sacks. Your money was in my possession. And then he brought Simeon out to them, the brother that's been held captive for a long time. Then the man brought the men into Joseph's house and gave them water and they washed their feet and gave their donkeys feed. So they prepared the gift for Joseph's arrival at noon for they heard that they were to eat a meal there. When Joseph came home, they brought into the house to him the gift which was in their hand and they bowed down to the ground before him. And then he asked them about their welfare and said, Is your old father well? Of whom you spoke? Is he still alive? And they said, Your servant, our father, is well. He is still alive. Then they bowed down again in homage to Joseph. As he raised his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, He said, is this your youngest brother of whom you spoke to me? And then Joseph said, may God be gracious to you, my son. He said that to his baby brother. May God be gracious to you, my son. Joseph then hurried out, for he was deeply stirred over his brother. And he looked for a place to weep. So he entered his chamber and wept there. Then he washed his face and came out. And he controlled himself and he said, serve the meal. Then they served him by himself and Joseph's Joseph's brothers by themselves. And the Egyptians ate with him by themselves because the Egyptians could not eat bread with the Hebrews for that is disgusting to the Egyptians to eat with Hebrews. Now they were seated before him from the firstborn according to his birthright to the youngest, according to his youth. And the men looked at one another in astonishment. Then he took portions to them from his own table. But Benjamin's portion was five times as much as any of theirs. So they drank freely with him. Let's look at some things here, okay? Judah said essentially, Dad, if we do nothing, we die. We can't go south to Egypt unless you release Benjamin to me. I will take full responsibility. And if we lose Benjamin, I will take the blame forever. That's fascinating. Judah was willing to take full responsibility For his baby brother. Notice in Genesis 42. We looked at this last Sunday. Reuben spoke to his father. With his plan to get Benjamin down there. And said you may put my two sons to death. If I do not bring back to you. 
the boy. Put him in my care, and I'll return him to you. So two things I want to say to you right now. Number one, Reuben, he shot his mouth off expecting others to sacrifice for his promises. Be careful with people who make promises and expect somebody else to sacrifice for those promises. You can kill my two boys. I don't care. I'll get Ben down there. We'll get some food. Reuben represents a horrible, horrible perspective on how to handle problems. Judah, on the other hand, said, look, I'm going to take personal responsibility for somebody else. I'm going to to take charge of this thing. All right. By the way, Galatians 6, I love this. Brothers and sisters, even if a person is caught in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual are to restore such a person the spirit of gentleness Each one looking to yourself so that you will not be tempted as well. Bear one another's burdens and therefore fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself, deceives herself. Take personal responsibility. Beautiful language. Look at the second thing I want you to see. Genesis 43, 14. Jacob, also known as Israel, May God Almighty grant you compassion in the sight of the man. The man is Joseph. He's the man. And certainly he's a type of Christ. Prayers of a broken heart are powerful. Okay. Prayers of a broken heart are powerful. Let me help you understand what I mean by that. When your job is fine, you have a job. (laughs) You've got a good job. Your marriage is fine. Your wife is meeting your needs, real or perceived. You're meeting her needs, real or perceived. The kids are obedient, all good looking, very tall, wonderful children. And, and life is good. And your pastor, the way he tells jokes, it's just amazing. What a funny guy. All is well. All is well. What are your prayers going to be like? Dear God, just, just want to say thanks for everything and, and you're awesome and, and uh, yeah, um, just bless my day. Okay, peace out. And then you've got a prayer of a man like Israel who's broken. Now you have to understand something. He believes he's already lost two sons and he believes he's going to use the, lose the youngest of his wife, Rachel, who already is dead. He lost her, the deep love of his life. He's a broken man. And he, he goes. May God Almighty grant you compassion in the sight of the man. That's something a broken person would say. That's, someone, that's something you'd say when you've come to the end of the rope. When you realize you're cornered. You got nothing. And you're just saying, God have mercy. Please. May God Almighty grant you compassion in the sight of the man. Prayers of a broken heart are powerful. Psalm fifty-one, seventeen: The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, God will not despise. God will not despise the prayer of a broken heart. But the, but the dude that comes smacking his gum to the throne like, Yo, God, it's me. Hey, just want to thank you for making me the object of all your goodness. Life is great. Love you. Peace out. Bye. I got to go to work. I'm not so, I, I just don't think God's like, oh, wow. Boy, your attitude toward me is really humble. Yeah. Maybe you need um, to, to get in a boat and get on a lake and endure a storm. Maybe that's what you need.
little wake-up call. The Lord is near to all who call on Him. The Lord is near to those who call on Him in truth. When all goes well, sometimes you compromise truth. Verse 14, Joseph, uh, Jacob says something that's important. He goes, you know, as for me, if I'm bereaved of my sons, I'm bereaved. I just want to make a couple comments about complex. It's called complex bereavement. Uh, uh, also acute grief. Um, there are some hearts that are so broken that the loss that they sustain is so severe they have an absolutely near impossible time getting past that. And they're consumed with the loss of a loved one, the death of a child, the death of a spouse, the death of a parent. And the bereavement can be so deep that depression sets in. But behaviors and beliefs that are very, very unhealthy. The fact that Jacob is saying, guys, I'm a broken man. And if I'm broken, I'm broken. In other words, it's actually one of the first steps to healing in what is called complex bereavement. And that is admitting that you are. That you've experienced a deficit so deep and so crushing, you can't get past it. And no cute little verse of scripture is going to make you snap out of it. Yeah. Like, do you think if you say to somebody with this, you know, according to Nehemiah 8, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And if you'll just think happy thoughts about the joy of the Lord, you'll be all better. Well, it sounds great to you because you don't have this. Makes perfect sense because all is well. Makes great sense when all is well. But when you're gutted spiritually and you're gutted emotionally and you've, you're taken right up to the edge where your question, if you can face the next day, that verse doesn't help. It doesn't. And the cute little cognitive behavioral theory of, well, just think five happy thoughts and you'll be all better. Sip your coffee and really sip your coffee. You know, sorry, it doesn't pull you out of this. This is bad. Joseph's broken. Uh, Jacob's broken. The good news is he sees it. And maybe for the first time in his life, he's being confronted with his own frailty. And the brokenness of his life after all that he's been through and all the scars. And the fact that you tie that in with this idea. May God Almighty grant us compassion. Ah, healing is starting to happen in this old broken man's life. Genesis forty-three eighteen. Now the men were afraid because they, they were brought to Joseph's house. And they said it's because of the money that was returned in our sacks for the first time. That we were being brought in so that he may attack us and overpower us and take advantage of us as slaves with our donkeys. Can I just tell you again, guilty people act guilty. Guilty people have what's called pathogenic fear. They get involved in guilt and they project that. They can't receive a good thing because they think it's some trap. Guilty people do that. Verse 23 Hey, I'm proud of them because they talked about it anyway to the, to the steward. And the steward says to him, to them, 
Peace be to you. Do not be afraid. I want you to imagine. Ed, I can see this in the movie scene. You're the director. These ten brothers are really, really afraid. Can you imagine hearing that? Peace be to you. You don't have to be afraid. Wow. Talk about ear candy. To hear that kind of idea. Jesus did that with his disciples. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Fear is one of the greatest weapons of the enemy. Absolutely one of the greatest weapons. Genesis 40 through 24 Then the man brought the men into Joseph's house and gave them water, and they washed their feet. Hmm, sounds like something Jesus would do. And he gave them, gave their donkeys feet. Look at Luke 6 says, But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Do you realize that Joseph is given orders to treat his brothers in kindness? The very brothers who broke his heart and abused him horribly. Do you understand that? This is what Jesus taught us to do. 29 to 31. Joseph sees his baby brother, Benjamin. Wow. Joseph says to him, may God be gracious to you, my son. Joseph was quite a bit older than little Ben. Quite a bit older. This is the language of familiar ownership for Benjamin. May God be gracious to you, my son. It wasn't his biological son. It was his biological brother from Rachel. But the bond was so deep, he was calling his baby brother his son and projecting grace onto this baby brother. Um, It says that that Joseph at this point hit his heart so hard That he was deeply stirred over his brother. And he looked for a place to weep. Anybody here ever get into a panic? And you're going to lose it in a crowd and you're looking for a private place? You know, I mean, you deserve your meltdown, right? You've worked hard for it. You need to have your meltdown. But can we not do it in public, please? This is what's going on. By the way, regarding the Hebrew language, ladies, you'll appreciate this. He was deeply stirred in his gut so deeply that it's a word very similar to the womb. He was hit at such a core level of who he was. He was so deeply stirred over his brother that he lost it and tried to find a private place to weep. So he entered his chamber and he wept there. Embarrassment and panic may be associated with post-traumatic emotions. Good old meltdowns, okay? Embarrassment and panic. Social anxiety is very profound. And yet, Joseph modeled self-control and taking responsibilities. He had his meltdown. He had a good cry. And dinner was on the table, (laughs) you know. Can I say the ouchy thing? You guys ready? Those listening on Facebook, I know this is not going to be the fun thing to hear. There's a time for the meltdown to stop. Is that fair? Is that reasonable? There's a time for the meltdown to stop. And Joseph washed his face, came out, and it says 
He controlled himself. Do you realize that's a fruit of the Spirit? Self-controlled. He controlled himself. And he said, serve the meal. There's a time to get back in the game. Make sense? Right? It's okay to have the meltdown. Absolutely okay. It's okay for the meltdown to stop. It's okay to get back in the game. And you have to wash your face. And you got to take control. And you got to take responsibility. And at this point for Joseph, the responsible thing to say was serve the meal. And he did it. He's modeling for us that you can have a meltdown well-deserved and the feelings are intense, but you can also take responsibility. You can do both. It may take time, but it can be. It can be. Um, Genesis 43, 32. Then they served him by himself and Joseph's brothers by themselves and the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves because the Egyptians could not eat bread with the Hebrews for that is, in, in the Hebrew language, disgusting. It's an abomination. It's an evil. It's an ugly, terrible thing to the Egyptians. Why? Well, it's, it's, it's really kind of hard to know, but according to, and it's almost folklorish, that Egyptians hated shepherds. People that would live with animals. That's a bad thing, not a good thing. And even when Joseph uh, convinces the Pharaoh to let his family live with them in Egypt, they're assigned the land of Goshen. Does anybody know why? Pop quiz, class. Why Goshen? Joe, common sense. Why? It's shepherd country. That's about the only place or one of the principal places where you could, where, where shepherds could take their livestock. That's why they went to Goshen there, right? Now, it's also conjectured that the Hebrews tended to wear wool. And the Egyptians thought it smelled. <laughs> they thought the Hebrews were smelly people. And it was disgusting. Okay. Look at John 4, 9. Jesus is uh, having a conversation with the Samaritan woman. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? And then John writes parenthetically, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Colossians 3.11, he's talking about baptism and being born again. A renewal in which there's no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian and Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all in, in all. Who are the barbarians and the Scythians? Who are they? If you're in this part of the Mediterranean world, they are north. Way farther north, Susan, than Michigan. Way farther and the bar- why are they called barbarians? Because they're barbaric. That's why they're called barbarians. They didn't bathe. They were filthy. Their hair was a tangled mess of dreadlock confusion. They were foul. They were brutish. They would beat each other up. The barbarian horde. I'm giving you history. I'm not making it up. They were gross, disgusting, fierce, dangerous people, the barbarians to the north. Who are the Scythians? Well, these dudes 
were fierce warriors on horseback. They would paint their bodies. They would paint the horses. They would put all kinds of armor on the horses. And these guys were lethal with a bow and arrow. In fact, they could nail a target at full race on a horse backwards. They were dangerous people. And they were hated and they were feared. And one of the anxieties that Rome had is that the Scythians would cross the border, cross the river, and attack Rome. Guess what? They were hated. Racial bias, racial hatred is real. Question, do we have any? Do we have any? Are there things going on inside of us we don't talk about? Or maybe with a very few select people. That there are people we couldn't stand to have a meal with. Yeah. Okay. Genesis verse 34, 43-34. Then he took portions to them from his own table, but Benjamin's portion was five times as much. Why? We don't know. We don't know exactly. It's possible that there's something called projection going on. That Joseph is pouring out five times the affection and the love and the blessing onto his baby brother, Ben, because deep in his heart, that's what he longed for by his family for all these years. And he is not going to treat them the way he was treated. He's going to do the opposite. He is literally living out the teachings of Jesus before Jesus ever made it on scene. Do good and be kind to those who abuse you. And then gives, gives little Ben five times the food. So you're the body of Christ. You're the church. If you're born again, the Holy Spirit is inside of you. And according to Ephesians, the Spirit gives gifts according to the need. Counsel well. Speak to us the truth. This is a summary of what I've covered. There may be things in the text that I've completely missed. I want to hear from you. How would we live out today? What is taught in Genesis 43? Stephen, let me know. People on Facebook and the app, please uh, engage with us. Michael. I got a question. Uh, <clears throat> on uh, point number one, Genesis 43, verse 23, it says, Then Joseph took portions of the Benjamin family from his own Yeah, yeah, he's going to make a promise, but expect somebody else to sacrifice for so it, which is super actually, bad. Actually, and you probably have more context and background than I do, just with who Reuben is. But when I read that, I actually read that the opposite. Okay. I would, for me, sacrificing my children uh, would be more painful than sacrificing myself. So, yes. just trying to understand how you would arrive at that. Yeah. Um, so. The way I read the Hebrew text is that children are absolutely a gift from the Lord. And anything, here's the ouchy moment, you ready? Anything that involves child sacrifice is straight from the pit of hell. Particularly the the ancient God of Molech, which was a part of the Jews got involved in that. And it's horrible where you actually sacrifice children to appease the Molech of God. Anything that involves child sacrifice is demonic. Anything. Well, it's kind of an asking moment, too, but children were viewed lesser as well. Yep. And so children died all the time. It's almost yep. kind of like this, yep. is a, this is a resource. This is an 
expense. I myself will stay around and I can sire with the kids. Yeah. Um, and if we go through Genesis and Judah's story over these couple chapters is beautiful because he's the one who gets the inheritance of having Christ's lineage go through. Yes. But you see yes. he's a broken man from his past experiences protecting little years there. But yep. uh, You're he, right. uh, he's really humbled and really broken and he says yes. I will personally take yeah. responsibility. Yes. Yeah. key moment for Yes, that's so good, Philip. Yes, yeah. Someone else. Why does this matter? You know, Sloan, brilliant question, and unfortunately we can't speak with great authority on that, but I conject that Joseph is working through his own pain. Yeah. And I think he was longing to see Ben, but I also think that he was trying to test his brothers to see if they had changed. Or they were still the half-baked scoundrels that he knew them to be. Yeah, 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 yeah. What do you make of that language that's repeated again and again and again? When you go to the man, when you see the man, say to the man, they keep identity, they call Joseph the man, which is really unique language. Why do you think? Because they had no idea who he was? What's that? He was, the, to borrow our, our cultural language, he was the man. And that's the one man you can't stick it to because he's got you. But there was a sense of formality and distance that kept them from him. Yeah. They called him Joseph, your highness. Each way you talk to someone, even in today's culture, indicates your relationship with them. Yeah. I call my dad father. That's more formal than calling him father or dad. Right. Why nicknames are so popular is why the way in which we speak to each other matters because how we address one another is an indication of our connection to the person. Yeah. Great authority. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah. For for a Hebrew, and they knew he was a Hebrew. To pull him out of prison and skyrocket to being second in command? Yeah, he's the man. That's a massive promotion. Yeah. And to be an outsider, a foreigner, being promoted to that position. Yeah. Somebody else? Yeah, slow. I, just, I had a thought about Joseph. Going back a few chapters, uh, Genesis 42, and then they were there, and he had a, an interpreter for Hebrew. Mm-hmm. 
and he noted that he may have been losing his Hebrew. He was, yeah. Or, or he may have not wanted them to know that he knew Hebrew. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then he, and then in chapter forty-three, he's at that point where, you know, it's explained in the text. It was disgusting for Egyptians to eat Hebrews. Joseph was so immersed into that Egyptian culture, it was as if he was Egyptian. Yes. Yet, on the contrary, he was also so immersed in serving God and following God and being in communication with God and serving God, following God. It was it's just a, an interesting thing at all. Yeah, yeah. That we should be the same. Yes. Should, even though <clears throat> we're in our culture, this foreign world, it's so opposite of heaven in God's way. Yeah. yeah. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Yeah. Be good to those who abuse you. And Sloan, so he says in verse 29, to his baby brother, may God be gracious to you. Yeah. Did Jesus say something in, in Matthew seven twelve that's very much a part of this? Treat others the way you want to be treated. Yeah. Stephen, anybody online? If you're on Facebook, please uh, post or text Stephen. Anybody else on why this matters? Okay, somebody. Um, all right. A couple of big things for us right now. Uh, is there anybody in your life that you need to forgive? Is there anybody in your life that you need to forgive? They have despised you. They've mistreated you. They sold you off. They have marginalized you. And you need to forgive them. If you don't forgive them, it's going to rob you of peace. All right? And if you get bitter, you're having massive dumps of catecholamine, stress hormones in your body, and your bitterness is going to eat you up. It's super unhealthy. We are not wired by God to be bitter. We are wired by God to forgive and to be at peace. Are you at peace? Or is it in the deep, deep place inside your, your gut? Is it a place of bitterness? Do you need to forgive your enemies? Okay. Is there something you need to take responsibility for? And stop passing the buck or making somebody else sacrifice for your ideals. Making somebody else sacrifice for your ideals. Is it time you take responsibility? Is the Holy Spirit saying, you know what? You need to wash your face and get under control. It's time. You need to wash up, clean up, and get yourself in control. There's work to be done. And there's a time to do that. There is a time to weep. Ecclesiastes 3, there's a time to laugh. There's a time to cry. Sure, sure, gather stones. There's, I got it, I got it. There's a time to have your meltdown. It's okay. But there's a time to wash your face, take responsibility, and get yourself in control. Absolutely, and it would be unquestioned. Yeah, yeah. 
and how often we are in a position where we we wield that same power, yeah. whether it's just because we're stronger yeah. than somebody yeah. else emotionally, or we're more powerful, or yeah. they work for us, or whatever yeah. it is, yeah. the power to destroy, yeah. because they have, and we would like to do that, because yeah. they've hurt us, and yet he showed grace to them. Yeah. Yeah. Can I ask an honest question? Is, does revenge feel good? <laughs> Doesn't it? To get them? Get them back, that eye for an eye thing. Feels pretty good, doesn't it? Yeah. By the way, do you realize, either you're onto something, if he did execute them, it wouldn't just be okay. The Egyptians would celebrate it. They would clap and they went, Behold! The man is, is extracting vengeance on his enemies. The justice of God. And they would celebrate it like, this is a great thing. He just vanquished his foes. They would throw a party. You know, some, can I say the obvious? Be careful when you get a lot of people encouraging you to do the wrong thing. <laughs> Be careful. Thank you, Edie, very, very much. Yeah. Edie, can we jump to the gospel? Who has the authority to cast our soul in hell? And it would be unquestioned. And he offers us grace. Wow. Yeah. Someone else? Anything else? Anybody else? Anybody think they're better than a black man? Anybody think you're better than the Mexican? Especially those illegal ones? Ooh. Illegal aliens. Think you're better than the Canadians? Well... Thank you for that. Southerner, you think you're better than them Yankees? <laughs> Sometimes we have little layers of hatred, little layers of bias. Uh, any, any men here think you're better than a woman? Got a better brain, better heart? Any women who think you're better than men? Okay, women, put your hands down. Stop. Stop. <laughs> Be careful if you think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Be careful. Be careful. Yeah. Yeah. Benjamin became the object of Joseph's affection and love. Joseph may have been pouring out a heart that's just full of love and had no object. And finally, he has a chance. And he might be, that might be a part of the heart cry issue. Boy, I wish I was loved. Anybody here long to be loved, accepted, without any manipulative, passive-aggressive, gaslighting attachments? <laughs> you want to be loved for real? Yeah, we do. We want to be loved and we want to be at peace. So, all right, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish, but have everlasting life. And you say, we're not worthy for that. Of course, that's the point. Romans 5 eight. While we were at our worst, while we were sinners, Christ sent his, Christ died for us. God sent his son to die for us on our behalf. 
Colossians chapter 1. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Colossians 2, he makes it clear, verse 13, that the certificate of deeds, of debts, the document that demonstrates how guilty we are, that that was nailed to the cross. And Jesus has made a public spectacle of Satan, having conquered him through the cross, through his son's death. Paul had just been beaten. His comrade, Silas, had been beaten. Publicly, by the way, which is how that works. Get stripped down, get beaten. Then you get thrown into public jail. So you can get mocked while you're in there. They're in Philippi, an amazing city. And while they're in there, probably bruised and bleeding, probably still swelling, certainly on their backsides, they're singing at midnight. And God shows up and shows out. And they think there's a jailbreak. And the jailer is about to commit suicide, which is, according to Roman law, the appropriate thing if you weren't responsible with a prisoner. And Paul says, we're all here. Put your sword in the sheet. Stop. And the Philippian jailer, hearing all of this, says, guys, what, what, how can I have what you have? How can I be saved? And Paul says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. In fact, you and your household. And that jailer, that Roman jailer, converted to be a follower of Jesus along with his wife and his kids and they were all baptized. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Does the peace of Christ live in you? Are you born again? John 3, 3. If you're not born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. Period. Church membership, baptism, the Lord's Supper, playing a good guitar, reading scripture. It doesn't get you in. Doesn't make you born again at all. Jesus has got to be on the inside. It's called faith. So if you have questions, I want you to see me after the service, okay? I want to pray with you. So I want to bless you right now. According to the blessing of Aaron from Numbers, may the Lord bless you and keep you and lift up his face upon you, his very countenance, and may he give you peace. May you be the one that is good to your neighbor. May you, Christ Church, be the one that treats others the way you want to be treated, that forgives, that speaks words of grace and mercy doing good to your persecutors, being kind to your enemies, blessing those who persecute you. May you be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Have mercy on us, O God, according to your steadfast love. In Jesus' name, amen.